you are listening to the Leaving Inside Out podcast and I'm your host, Talks Arotere. This is episode 12. Welcome to the Leaving Inside Out podcast where we believe the people in our circle can influence the actions we take. Episode 12 is Toxic Friendships, Six Types of Friends to Avoid. Hello, friend. (laughs) How has your week been so far? I have been doing some planting. You know, there's a verse that says, there's a time to plant and a time to reap. This is planting season for many people, me included. I was thinking about how my views on challenges have evolved over the years. And like you, I've had various ways of dealing with difficulties. But I do remember going through this long period where it seemed like all of the problems got together to have a meeting in the village hall and they agreed to show up one by one every other week at my house. You know what it's like when rather than have a life that's punctuated with challenges, it appears that you have a challenge that's punctuated with life. And so I learned to see these breaks, these in-between challenges, these punctuations as seasons of grace, not to kick back, relax and stop striving for better, but the grace period We have to use them to refresh and revive ourselves. That's also a time to plant so that with the renewed energy and the renewed vigor and often renewed vision, you can carry out your journey and reach a harvest waiting for you. There were times I wasted my grace seasons. I thought it was fine to claw back and you know, get all the fun that I had missed out on. A little bit like going on a diet for two weeks on just fruit and veg and then deciding at the end of it all, you're just going to pig out on all the food you've mixed out on. But it really never works out like that. It doesn't work, does it? I understand now that the time for chilling out and everything will come. But grace, don't waste it. Plant, recharge, restore. So on to today's conversation on toxic friendships. Growing up, my dad always said, people are basically good. It was one of his mantras. My father believes that circumstances, choices, and in some cases, health problems may make people difficult to deal with. And I have found myself adopting the same mindset as my father. And I can see why. I decided to start believing that when people act up, they do so because there is a reason, not because they're deliberately being mean, perhaps childhood trauma or poor upbringing, or maybe they simply mirrored what they saw growing up. Many people who we would describe as toxic simply don't know how to handle their emotions. And so they end up acting out their feelings in the form of words or actions and it ends up causing a negative experience for the person on the receiving end. So today we will explore three types of friendships to avoid. 
Note that I didn't say friends, but friendships. A friendship is formed when two or more people choose to get into a platonic relationship where there is mutual love and trust. So the quality of a friendship is determined by both people, you see. Or we can say that the existence is determined by at least one partner. Bear in mind that friend in this podcast can relate to um, a co-worker or even a relative. And in my stories, the names are imagined, but the examples, the stories, real. Toxic friend number one, passive-aggressive Portia. I had had some passive-aggressive friends for a number of years before I even knew what that was. I don't know about you, but I accepted everyone's behavior as normal, even when it wasn't healthy for me. And typically, I adjusted myself to accommodate the discomfort. I was in my 30s when I first named and then rejected this type of friend. To be honest, I didn't even know passive aggression was a thing. And so I didn't have the words or, of course, the description to recognize what I was dealing with. I knew I was uncomfortable. I knew it made me feel inadequate but I just couldn't put a finger on it. And instead of looking at the other person, I looked at myself as the one not being accepting of their behavior, of being intolerant, rather, of their behavior. So my first Portia was in secondary school. We were friends, and she had a bit of a bossy side to her. The day the friendship came into question was when she borrowed my shoes and blatantly refused to give them back. I guess that's normal for 12 or 13 year olds at the time. Egged on by my other close friends, I demanded that my shoes be returned and she pretty much flung them at me in anger and disgust. I was made to feel guilty for requesting that which was rightfully mine. And you will find that emotional manipulation happens to be one of the traits of the passive aggressive friend. Or frenemy. My second Portia had a habit, or shall we say, style of putting me down in public, and she would do so with a joke. She would wrap an insult neatly inside a joke so that everyone else saw the joke and they all laughed at my expense, mind you. But I felt the sting of the insult. So it wasn't obvious to others that she was hurting my feelings. And we had been best friends for a long time. Notice how I'm not giving any specifics. (laughs) But I explained her behavior away, like I did with my first Portia. Talks, you need to be more gracious, I told myself. You've got to be more accepting, more tolerant, more grown up or mature. You see, that being grown up or mature bit, that was a good one. Because the friendships that had been modeled for me as a child were simply beautiful. My mum has always had strong, kind-hearted and admirable women as friends and I was only ever exposed to healthy, loving friendships. The loyalty and love between them, (laughs) it filled the space they were in and I can even recall just the laughter and the freedom that these women had when they were with each other. I have never 
heard my mom get into a verbal exchange with any of her friends. And I consider them to be my aunties and I've always felt safe with them. So when Portia number two started her antics, usually in front of a crowd of our mutual friends, I thought I simply needed growing up. (laughs) But would you agree that life and its challenges can have a clarifying effect on our mind? The day my mind cleared up was the day I ended that friendship. I had been going through my storm and making my way out when I thought, nope, I have enough attack coming from situations I have no control over and you I can control. So no more. I wrote a poem and posted it on my blog. I used to write a blog back then called Popo and Mango, which was a puree of my crazy, funny life as mom and hopeful business owner. I'll read my poem to you. I called it an ode to a friend lost. So long, dear friend. It's been a long ride, but the bus stops here. It's the toxic fumes of constant sarcasm, the poisonous gases of derision and ridicule. And then there's the pungent smell left after a jibe meant to embarrass. I hope I didn't bore you during our ride. I hope I was a blessing and in some way positively impacted your life. I hope when we meet again, time would have bred respect in place of familiarity. I hope that when we meet again, we can still be friends. That line about familiarity was one that stood out because I felt she was taking me for granted and had zero respect for me perhaps because she knew me too much. And that's not because I had secrets that I didn't want revealed, but it was because if you've got insecurities and you get close to your source or your target, you notice the ordinariness of them and your goal becomes to tear them down so you can stop feeling less. Not you listening, but the passive aggressor. People like Portia carry a sense of insecurity and they use others as a step stool to lift themselves higher. In other words, they have a mindset that tells them they are inferior to others. So they try to level the playing field by bringing everyone else down or whoever they feel inferior to so they can start to feel superior. It would be years later before I met Portia number three. This one, I did not see coming. I would go as far as saying she concealed that aspect of her life or her character, should I say, until I got comfortable enough to let my guard down. Smart girl, but soon the jibes started. It looked eerily familiar and this time I wasn't here for that. So I ended the friendship. I did some research into this particular type of toxic friendship and came across an interesting article by Professor Preston Nee. He's a university professor. I can't remember where. He's a real guy. (laughs) And I've attached some of the details or put the link to this article in the show notes. I extracted some of the traits of a passive aggressive person, friend or frenemy and 
who knows, you may find them in someone you know, or maybe even in yourself. The first one is disguised verbal hostility. Hmm, <laughs> so this is what numbers two and three were doing. Here's a real example. One day I got a phone call. She'd seen me in town, but we missed each other. It was just one of those great days. I was having a good day. I was happy. I was lightheaded. But then the phone conversation went like this. I just saw you, Tokes. You looked worried. What's the matter? Listen, I did not look worried. I was actually happy. But those words caused me to feel so uncomfortable. Another common one is, you look stressed. Are you okay? You look tired. You're losing weight. Is everything okay? Or you've put on quite a bit of weight. Are you okay? So it's this veiled sentences and um, my husband has a word that he uses to describe those compliments. I think he says backhand compliments or something like that. I can't remember. Professor Nee continues with examples of disguised hostility, verbal hostility, negative gossip, negative orientation, habitual criticism of ideas. This one is familiar. And if you're in business, you're a business owner, or as a matter of fact, if you're trying to advance in life, any ideas you have that you share with a Porsche, you can be guaranteed it will be criticized and pulled down. And I always say that ideas in their infancy are very fragile and you've got to guard it like an egg. So you don't want to share it with the wrong people. Porsche is one of the wrong people to share your ideas with. Addressing an adult like a child. Oh my goodness, I've seen that one. And here are the possible intentions behind that type of behavior. Putting others down to feel dominant and superior causing others to feel inadequate and insecure to relieve one's own sense of deficiency, seeking a false sense of importance by being persistently critical, consciously or unconsciously spreading one's own unhappiness, <laughs> misery loves company, competing for power and control in a relationship. Another trait is disguised hostile humor, which is self-explanatory. It was the classic method of Porsche's number two and three. Have you ever had someone put you down for the decisions you have made? Why are you wearing this dress? It makes you look old. Going forward, I will start to call you auntie and then they laugh. Examples of disguised hostile humor, according to the article, include sarcasm, veiled hostile joking, followed by just kidding, repetitive teasing, subtle digs at one's appearance and so on. And the possible emotions behind or rather the possible intentions behind that behavior is to express hidden anger, disapproval or rejection towards an individual. A final trait I'll share from the article is victimhood. And I know one at the time, I didn't see it as passive aggressive, I'll be honest, but I once spent two hours listening to her woes. I was frustrated. 
because she'd reject any suggestion of a solution or to think or see things differently. All of my encouragement didn't help. Heck, I even prayed with her in the car. That didn't work either. She didn't let me get a word in. She was incredibly draining and I felt she had vomited all over me. I'll be honest, when I see her at my local grocery store, I go to a different aisle. Examples of victimhood will be exaggerated or imagined personal issues, exaggerated or imagined health issues, dependency, deliberate frailty to elicit sympathy and favor, plain weak, powerless or a matter. Possible intentions include that it is designed to exploit the recipient's goodwill, guilty conscience, sense of duty and obligation or protective and nurturing instinct. In line with my father's belief that people are basically good, I believe there are people who can be really good friends with Osha and even help her overcome her insecurity. But I'm just not the one. I wasn't the one then, I'm not the one now. So I never dismiss people who are toxic to me. I don't see them as a hopeless case. I don't even see them as bad. I just let them go so that the person meant to connect with them can find them. Toxic friend number two is opinionated Olivia. And since friendships are made up of two or more people, we cannot ignore the role our personality plays when it comes to forging that relationship. I believe there are some combinations that just won't work. And it might not even be a personality trait situation. It could be a mindset issue. Case in point, Olivia and I had been friends for over a decade. We were there for each other and, you know, we spent a lot of time together. The friction commenced when I started my leaving authentically journey. First, I noticed undesirable traits in me, which I began to work really hard on. Olivia also shared some of these traits, which may even have formed the basis of our friendship. So I guess the friction came about as I wrestled against my own emotions and her mindsets and viewpoints that I had grown to dislike and she was still exhibiting them. In many ways, I was disassociating myself from behavior I no longer wanted to carry out. So our increasingly different mindsets meant that I was in a place where I kept having to fight irritation and that wasn't easy. We didn't ever get into an argument, but I would arrive home just relieving the whole conversation, getting irritated all over again, and just dealing with a lot of negative emotions. I believe in setting boundaries, and I also see my friends as concentric circles. Some circles are closer than others, but it's the wrong mindset that made me push Olivia all the way out. I was in a place of introspection one morning, trying to make sense of why, even though I knew what to do, 
I didn't. I would plan my day meticulously. I'd be all fired up and ready to go, confident in what I was going to achieve that day or accomplish that day. And then I'd arrive at work and do everything in sight, except what was on my list. So that morning, I applied the principle of intention, episode five, and I dug deep to uncover what was really behind my actions, or rather my inactions. And here's what I found. I had become so reliant on Olivia's opinion that I was scared to make my own decisions. Over the years, without meaning to, I leaned heavily on her for advice and affirmation of my ideas. And she, on the other hand, wanted to dominate and see her ideas expressed. I think that's a control situation there. Wanting to be the driver of others' actions. Here's the thing. If you haven't yet grown to have confidence in your ideas, a friendship with Olivia will hold you back. When I stopped giving her access to my mind, the seeds that she sowed over the years started to germinate. I could hear her criticism even without being in a friendship with her. So by continuing to tolerate a toxic friendship, you are delaying your own breakthrough. The toxicity in this is twofold. Well, at least twofold. One, you have a personality that wants to use others to feed their ego as they impose their own ideas. And two, a personality that wants to express her own ideas but isn't bold enough to do so without the approval of her friend. I, of course, was number two. But I provided the platform for number one to exist. So I couldn't even be mad at her for taking advantage of what was offered to her. I believe our emotions drive our actions and sometimes we don't make friends with a person. We make friends with the stabilizing factor or what our emotions have identified to be stabilizing for us. The responsibility is ours to untie any hang-ups and remove any baggage that we may be carrying so we don't attract the personality that needs that baggage to survive. This means we must prioritize the removal of our limiting beliefs. And this is why I decided to launch a parallel career in public speaking and mindset coaching. And I've been in training for the past six months. I've been planting for the past six months so I could know how to do just that. To some, this might sound crazy. Growing two careers side by side while giving equal opportunity and attention to both. Because, you know, I've got my baby furniture company and I'm also a nursery interior designer. That is one business. That's a priority. My coaching and speaking platform, another priority, and it's my second business, but they're running side by side. You see, that's what happens when you peel back layers of limiting beliefs that have been hiding your superpower. Your gifts start to rise to the top, like literally bubble up. And when they do, they'll fill up the space that your stretching created. 
a friendship with Olivia can survive so long as both parties remain in their positions, you know, holding on to their limiting beliefs. The friendship can survive too if both choose to remove those mindsets and grow together. But I love what Steve Harvey said, you can't take everybody with you. Actually, he said it with an African-American accent. You can't take, I'm not doing that well, but he didn't say everybody. He went, everybody. <laughs> this was a significant statement that gave me the resilience to set new boundaries for Olivia. And this statement of Steve Harvey's also applies if your friends with a rigid Rita, our third toxic friend. Rigid Rita, close-minded, allergic to growth. Rita might be loyal and kind-hearted, but her reluctance to grow will hold you back. We live in a time where things are changing at a rapid pace. You have to be aware of changes going on in the world if you're going to be doing business with anyone outside your immediate family. Rita's, mm -mm, they don't believe in evolving. And in the end, it will be like running a two-legged race while your partner chooses to stand still or walk. She might be your super spiritual sister who just needs to seek God's face on whether she should shower at 6am or 6.05. I know a Rita. Now, can you imagine being fiercely loyal to a friend who doesn't embrace growth? You too will not grow. I mentioned in episode four about how I relied so much on the opinions of others and how it tended to happen when I loved or admired the person. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be a loyal or a loving friend, but if you're moved by emotions, or in other words, if your decision making is largely influenced by how you feel, the lines between logic and friend loyalty will become blurred and you run the risk of confusing their disagreements with disloyalty. And God help you if you're dealing with a passive aggressive person who uses manipulation, you'll be in trouble. Number four is competitive Clarissa. Do you know a Clarissa? <laughs> this lady here has used you as the template for her advancement. When you turn right, that's her cue to turn right twice. She cannot behoove, love that old English, the thought of you doing better than her. She may not deliberately try to drown you, but if you happen to be drowning and she happens to be there, she'll help you out. But then she'll go on to blame you for falling into the river in the first place. She won't let you leave that one down. She may put you down where your appearance is concerned. She might look for ways to one-up you. I know someone who one-ups every conversation. Even if you're talking about illness or tragedy, you're trying to unburden your real issues. And she responds with, well, my problem is bigger and more significant than yours. I have to say that this particular part of competitive Clarissa caught my attention because I am learning to be a better listener and not feel that when people are talking to me, I've got to 
have a response immediately or even sometimes it's done innocently if someone's talking about a situation that they're finding it hard to deal with and I'm trying to get them to see the gratitude in it or the opportunities for gratitude in it there is a tendency to say well this also happened which is worse than yours and my intention is never to one-up them but I do notice that I have a need to listen more so we're working on that. <laughs> Next, we have loose-lipped Lolita. With her, you better not share any secrets. And here's a general rule. Anyone who will gossip about their friend is already talking about you. I had a personal experience of this a few years ago. This person talked dirty about her friends, many of whom I had never met. And I eventually got to meet them only for the love and the kisses and the hugs to be in full flow. Hmm. You wouldn't have believed that these were the same people that she spoke so bitterly about. Unfortunately, I'd already had my opinions about these poor women and I just couldn't see past the negativity that my friend had shared with me. Oh, and word came back that what she did to them, she did to me too. And finally, number six is Ursula the user. Ursula can only be reached when she wants something from you. So she called you. You missed her call. And you called her right back. She answered the phone. You had a long and cheerful conversation. Well, try calling her back again a day or two later. Ursula mysteriously disappears for weeks. But when she calls you back or you were able to get a hold of her back because of a missed call, <laughs> she fusses over you as her bestie. This is a real life situation that someone shared with me. It's an unevenly yoked situation. You think you're besties. She knows you're her resource. Ursula is that girl that's perpetually busy but has time to call you for financial help or to obtain emotional support. She may call you to pick your brains and ask for advice, all of which is fine. But when you cannot reach her when you have a need or you're able to reach her, but she's so sorry she can't help, it starts to become obvious. Here's another side to an Ursula, which I have noticed. If you're able to get a hold of her, she will lift you to lift herself out of her insecurity, your self-doubt or whatever difficulty you're going through or the challenge you have in that moment that you're unburdening about becomes the fuel she uses so she can thrive as she encourages you. But the minute your confidence is restored and you start to know your own power, Hmm. The minute you start to utilize your gift and you have no use for her shoulder, she's gone because she doesn't need you anymore. You're not providing for her any longer. You're not being a shoulder for her to cry on. You're not financially supporting her. You are not even there to be the sad, sorry so-and-so that she can feel better about herself with. Then you become useless to her. Do you know an Ursula? 
I have been at the disadvantaged end of this. And it took years to label it for what it was. And that's something we do. The love we have for others may stop us from admitting the truth of their behavior to ourselves. My friend Susie always tells her daughter, who is my goddaughter, that if your friends don't want to play with you, don't fret. There are 7 billion people in the world. What's your friendship game like? What does your circle look like? I believe the people in our circle can influence how we think and therefore what we do. Your life, whether it's good or evolving, is the result of the environment you're in because your environment feeds your mind. If you're not on my friends list, jump on at talksarotere.com. Link is in the show notes so you can be alerted when I announce my coaching courses. Also, please don't forget to give the Leaving Inside Out podcast a five-star rating on the Apple podcast app. I'm on social at talksarotere, first name, surname. All references are in the show notes. Thank you for listening and remember to leave always from the inside out.